Good evening, everyone. Friends, our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, uh, he is speaking about a future liberation of an oppressed people in a particular area. And um, our gospel, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah that we heard, uh, we understand it as being fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of God. He is the light that has entered now into darkness, where darkness was about. And that call uh, to repentance, that call out of dark ways, out of darkness, into his light. In our second reading, Paul is speaking to a community that has found themselves in rivalries and dissensions, and um, they, they have a lot of challenges. <laughs> so Paul is speaking to them and begging them, basically, to come together so that they can have resolve and uh, resolution. My friends, the fact of the matter is, is the history of the Roman Catholic Church is one that has its ups and downs and had its moments of incredible unity and togetherness and also very scandalous divisions. From the time of Christ's ascension and until the day of his second coming, it will continue to be so. Perhaps this is so because the church has been and continues to be at war in the earlier days of Christianity when the Pope was also a king who governed armies. There were holy wars, physical wars. Of late, though, uh, it is spiritual war and war uh, with morality or those who move away from sound morality. In all things, it has been a war in which sin is the enemy and holiness is the ally. And both are equally real. We see this truth exemplified in the very first generation of Christians while the apostles were still alive on the earth and working. St. Paul, we gather from his letters, was also at work spreading the good news and at the same time managing crises of faith, crises of morals, crises of church affairs. Today's second reading tells us of one such crisis, management. St. Paul established that community, spent months instructing them and appointed local leaders, as we understand them, bishops. And he asked them to continue the work of Jesus Christ, his mission. Paul receives news that the community is becoming divided. Challenges caused a crisis of faith and that led to, uh, directly to these divisions. And St. Paul reminds them that all Christians are called to be united in Christ and that they are to build up unity, never giving in to, let alone participating in rivalries, jealousies, backbiting. He tells them to work hard toward being of the same mind and same purpose. Today, challenges threaten church unity. Some are the same old, same old, but some are unique to our time. In the most recent years, as in past time, God always opens up channels of grace, arming and supporting his church in a new period of history. However, a lack of faith and a lack of cohesion with church leaders causes rivalries and divisions. It is not particularly helpful, and it certainly does not help to build up Christ's church uh, when this happens. 
And St. Paul urges putting to rest unchristian rivalries to silence destructive criticism. There is good criticism, but destructive criticism, that is of Satan, not of the Lord. And giving equal reverence to whatever the church recognizes as the work of the Holy Spirit. While we have the Lord's grace, we have the sacraments in the Roman Catholic Church to which are conduits of grace. We have prayer. Prayer is first. Prayer is in the middle. Prayer is at the end. This is a weapon of goodness. While we have these things, we also must want to be agents, disciples of the Lord, of peace and of unity and of charity and of forgiveness. Because he allows people to walk away. He did this with the rich young man. Jesus loved him, and the man said, I did all these things. And Jesus says, I have something more to which the man walks away. And Jesus lets him. So we have to want to be disciples truly, not just in name, but living, breathing disciples of Jesus Christ. That means we must walk in his light, not in some other light, but in his so what are the practical things that we can do to activate God's grace and become these agents uh, of unity? Paul would call them ambassadors. I like that. That's a good name, too. Two key things are exercising self-discipline in what we say. Words can be used for good or for wickedness. You know this, you live. I don't have all that social media stuff because it has a lot of nonsense but the wicked things that people say, the hurtful things that people say, the power of those words to destroy. Words can be used for good. Jesus is the living word. Perfect goodness. We can use words like a knife cutting and hurting, or we can use words like keys opening hearts and minds, encouraging others and building unity, building sound communities. Second, we can exercise self-control over our own selves. I know people have meltdowns. People, oh, Father, I had a meltdown. I'm like, go and ask forgiveness then of the person who you slapped around. Then come back. <laughs> and Father will give you absolution. <laughs> How many times has regrettable words, emails, tweets. See, I learned, children. Last time I said twits because it was Twitter, right? I said twits, and people children were like, Father, it's not twits. It's called Twitter. We tweet. And I'm like, there we go. So I learned. <laughs> I listen to the little ones. They tell me and instruct me. But regrettable words, emails, tweets, letters and decisions that have been made in anger, and when passion has not been controlled, perhaps when such emotions take us by storm, even if they seem righteous in the moment, you know my mantra's been, stop, pray, breathe. Not just breathe, breathe in the Spirit. Exhale, pray, reflect, delay if necessary, 
and then move into action. We cannot always control what happens to us and to our communities and even to our church, but we can control how we respond to these. That you can control. And with God's grace, it will be a holy, a holy control. Friends, uh, I was drawn to the scriptures in John when Jesus had a very difficult conversation with the people, with Peter, but in this situation it was a Eucharist, but it was very difficult for them to hear. And people began to leave, and Jesus says to Peter, do you want to go also? And Peter says, Lord, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? <laughs> Jesus has the words of eternal life. Amen?